Got it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back after the long summer break to this drop-in discussion, which happens every third week of the month with the European Leaders Learning Community. Um, my name is Miranda, and I'm based here in Spain, in Malaga. Um, so, yeah, thrilled to be on a call like this again. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I've missed them, but I have actually, now that I see all your faces, it's, it's really just such a great context to have these kinds of chats. Mm. So um, if you're joining us um, as joining this as a recording, then you're also very welcome. And um, we hope that this discussion will be enlivening for you all. Um, this is the third kind of delayed um, episode in a three-part series on leadership pitfalls and um, we talked about power as something that can trip us up as leaders we talked about money as a leadership pitfall and this time around we're talking about sex um, now obviously sex is a really big topic we could say lots and lots of things about sex and sexual identity and all kinds of things um, but for the purposes of this discussion we're talking about sex in the context of leadership and the way that sex can be something that causes us to trip up as leaders as people who are leading others um, so that's what this discussion is about and I've got these three wonderful people joining me very brave people because it was difficult to get people to join me for this discussion that's something we're going to talk about um, and so we've got Johan we've got Damaris and we've got Carrie and I'm just going to give each of them the opportunity to say hello and introduce where you are and um, a little bit maybe about what you're doing, what your focus is in life. Um, that would be great. So Carrie, maybe you wanna kick us off. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad I was able to, to make it because I couldn't find the email for a while. So God, oh, very I'm glad you're here. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm Carrie Kluet. I am a board certified psychologist and sexual therapist and couples therapist, as well as a 20 year YWAMer. So, um, so yeah, so I'm based here in Barcelona, Spain, and work with the leadership team here in the local YWAM base. But right now, my main focus is in one one-on-one -on -one therapy or two-on-one -on -one, because a lot of times I work with couples mm. um, especially in the Spanish-speaking world so I have a, a decent online presence and work a lot just in that kind of trying to bring good sex back to the church because God created it so we should be the masters of it awesome well it's it's really great that you in the midst of all of that you could join us for this discussion and um, of course, you were one of the contributors this month mm -hmm. to the resources that we have. So you, you did a 10 minute talk. I hope everyone has seen that talk. It's a fantastic kind of rallying cry for this um, reclaiming <laughs> of, of healthy sex as God's people. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have you with us. And Damaris, you are over in the <laughs> UK. Yes. So my name is Damaris. I am Brazilian, but been in UK for 15 years, been in YWAM for 30 years. Uh, I am one of the campus leaders here in YWAM Harpenden at the moment. And uh, I do a 
several other things also. Uh, but I think my passion, one of my passions is uh, this whole aspect of uh, cultural diverse in different mm. areas included in this whole aspect of sexuality and the understanding. Mm. Um, I, I lead at the moment, I, I am one of the leaders of the cultural orientation, English and cultural orientation school here on base. And I'm married, have three children. Uh, Paulo is my husband. He's the one who leads the studio and this whole live stream area here on base. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. That's so much more, but I think that's enough. <laughs> that's great. Every so often I, I see a lovely photo of you and Paolo on Facebook. So mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> representing happy marriages. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would say that's something that I we have a very fun marriage do you know marriage and i think we are we have a lot of fun sexuality and sex it's something that we say very freely in our house to our children up mm. to the point where our kids can ask us mom did you have sex last night or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so it is something that we're passionate to really bring the freedom to talk about mm. it also mm. you know with right. no problem no shame we might come back to that point. Thanks, Damaris. <laughs> and Johan, thank you for being the, the guy to represent guys here in this discussion. It was very difficult to get guys to join me. I have no idea why, but maybe you can give some insight. But before <laughs> yeah. that, just tell us who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. Yes, so uh, I'm Johan. I'm, I'm Swedish. I probably said this in my, if you saw my LDX talk, I'm born and raised, but I've been in YWAM for 13 years. Uh, first half of that, I was in Restines in Sweden, and the other half, uh, since 2015, I'm here in YWAM Uh, together with Demares, so we're both part of the leadership team here on campus. Um, I work with discipleship, like I, I've worked with DTSs either directly or indirectly, but I also do a lot of mentoring and one-on-one, -on -one. so I talk to a lot of guys, I talk to a lot of young leaders, I'm 34, so I guess I'm quite young still, but in YOM, that's just a very skewed, uh -huh. uh, what do you say, scale of what old is. <laughs> sometimes I feel super old, and sometimes on this campus, I feel like I'm a little kid. So it depends. But I think my, my part in this is that I, I've, I have a, a sexually broken past. I, I work through a lot of things. I come from the part that God did a big miracle in my life, So it, I, but, but then through that god has shown me grace and i've also walked with a lot of a lot of men and a lot of young guys about their relation to relationship to masturbation and pornography and and all these mm. things which is almost every single one more mm. or less but mm. with some few exceptions well thanks and thanks for again a great talk that you did for the resources on the on the website that was awesome um yeah, Martin is just reminding um, people in the chat who are on the call that if anyone has a question, feel free to pop it in the chat and we will try our best to get to it. Um, I wondered if we could maybe kick off with this question about what makes it so hard for, for us to talk about sex. Um, and particularly in the context of being leaders, um, leading teams, being part of communities, um, it was 
it was pretty excruciating to um, to find any men that were willing to be part of this discussion. Um, <laughs> I think it's maybe especially hard for guys to talk about. I don't know. Um, but in general, we don't find it easy to talk freely about sex. Uh, it's quite a vulnerable thing to talk about. So any clues? What do you guys think? What makes it hard for us to talk about sex? The reason I ask is it seems like it would help us if we could talk more easily, mm -hmm. help us to help each other. I have the feeling that I think sex is really related to scene. And therefore, mm -hmm. we don't want to talk about scene. So then even when you talk about what was the scene of Adam and Eve, some people, even in church, Christians, they think that probably their scene was because they had sex. And even, you yeah. know, one of the signs of the scene in this time, it's like the, the apple with a little bite uh, mm -hmm. that is kind of represents sex. So I think it's really because that this connection, direct connection that sex being seen or being dirty or so all uh -huh. of those so i think that is why so then we don't want to talk about something that it's not pure that it's impure so then let's uh -huh. just put aside uh -huh. i also have found i had a really interesting conversation with a pastor from africa a couple of weeks ago and and for me also you know talking culturally also helps us understand kind of and when you know he asked me hey what do you do i thought he knew because okay. most people know what I do now. And I'm like, oh, I'm a sex therapist. I talk about sex all day, you know? And, you know, he was just like, what? Uh. You know, and my parents were there and they're just kind of like, oh, there goes our daughter again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, of course, this is what I do all day, you know? And uh -huh. so there, there's, it's like, there is no shame. I can talk about anything. Uh -huh. And he was saying, this is so important, you know, and so all of a sudden, uh, he didn't want to do anything else, like he just paused our whole conversation and was just like, tell me more because nobody talks about this. And, and uh -huh. he was saying that for pastors in Africa, especially, you know, his experience was most of his pastoral friends are having some sexual issue in their marriage, but they can't talk about it because it would, it would make them lose face in front of their congregation because uh -huh you have to have a perfect sexual life if you are a Christian uh -huh. married man. Uh -huh. And so like on other aspects, it's like maybe drinking or maybe something else. It's like you have this little door to be able to talk about it or to say, hey, pray for me because, uh -huh. you know, alcohol is a temptation. But if you open up and saying, I'm not having good sex with my wife, uh -huh. It's, it's not acceptable uh -huh. as a Christian to struggle. And what he was saying is it's not acceptable to struggle with healthy sexuality. Like almost like you right. can say porn, but if, if sex with your wife isn't working, you can't share that. And so that then creates this huge problem because you're not able to talk about something that's normal, you know, to have, to not know how to do things the right way or to not be having a successful sexual relationship with your partner uh, and so it creates just this whole kind of like time bomb uh, and so for him he was saying where do you even go with this like because uh -huh. we can't talk about it and he says and the whole thing is if they come and talk to me it's a blind man leading another blind man like uh -huh. nobody knows the answer yeah. and so in the end you don't want to talk about it because it can create kind of like a negative vacuum of like I struggle with porn well so do I so you know, good job, yes. guy. I mean, at least we're talking about it, but you're uh -huh. not talking towards a solution. You're just kind of mm -hmm. 
talking about yeah. it. Yes. Um, and and so, so he was saying that these are some of the problems that he was finding in the leader, you know, in the like African pastoral mm -hmm. leadership context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that raises two um, really important points for me. One is um, as YWAM, we are in multicultural communities all the time. That That's who we are. And so we have to understand that people are coming from different cultural perspectives when it comes to nearly everything and certainly sex um so that adds a, a a certain challenge doesn't it in terms of creating environments where we can talk about these sorts of things um and then the other thing that strikes me from what you said carrie was where do you go with this and mm -hmm. how can we make it possible for people to know where it is they go with this um so Jan, I don't know if you want to jump in when it comes to the context that you've been working in, in terms of leading younger people. Yeah. What strikes you as significant in that? Um, I think first one of the reason why, another reason why I think it might be difficult to talk about sex is from the positive spin of like, that is, is something kind of beautiful and something very personal, personal and intimate. I think it's also hard how to facilitate a conversation that keeps the right level that mm. because you also don't want to encourage fantasy like when you're talking in a group or you're talking guys and girls and and stuff like that I think that that for me at least in DTS context and stuff makes it a bit difficult how to talk about it in a way that becomes fruitful and like mm. where do you put the bar on how much you say and not say mm -hmm. from a, taking the sin perspective out of it which is also something of course like the other said um what was the question you asked sorry well just just around this whole thing of like what makes it hard to talk about it uh -huh. yeah. and then and then the idea of people not knowing where to go with yeah. whatever they might talk about if they could talk about it <laughs> yeah. how do you for example how have you kind of opened up these sorts of conversations with people uh, <laughs> you just sort of you know you just sort of say how's hey how's your sex life i mean how do you do that I mean, yeah, I think, I think for me, usually, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I mean, for me, because I, I guess I represent the, what do you say, the non-professional uh, in, in this context, so right. me, because I usually share my testimony, uh -huh. and my sexual broken past is a huge part of why my faith was hijacked, and why I couldn't relate to people pro appropriately, so I share my testimony uh, appropriately, freely, in, in a DTS context, or with mm -hmm. people, and I, I think that just invites people to to come and talk to me, and and I think also be, be, through the grace of God, like I I have I haven't watched porn since that one time in DTS. Like mm. that's a big deal, and and I think that maybe adds a bit of confidence to come and talk to me, and like you, you manage that in it, mm -hmm. uh, and then telling people usually that's not how it goes. Usually it's a much more longer process, and mm -hmm. God has a much more. I think because God knew how weak I was, he needed to take that away from me. He probably has more trust in your character. So he's gonna take you on a journey, you know? Um, but yeah. So that's how I get in conversations. I share my testimony and then people know and that reputation mm -hmm. goes. I don't feel particularly comfortable talking about sex mm -hmm. compared to maybe these two. I always think it's awkward. Like the models mm -hmm. will talk about things. I'm like, oh, like cringe, cringe, cringe. Like mm -hmm. kind of colorful background. I'm sorry, and I mean, the That's truth good. is, yeah, the truth is that there's certain language that make, you know, there's kind of certain words that just make us all really uncomfortable. You know, I was 
I was on a call with um, a I was actually the only woman on this call yesterday and all of a sudden we were talking about a particular book and all of a sudden this one guy is is talking about sexual arousal and I was like arousal you know that's a word that it just kind of like is a is a um uh what's the word well it trigger or it like triggers us yeah that's right it provokes us it provokes a reaction so maybe imagination up here <laughs> and this i think i think this is something like as a church or as a christian community we've done wrong because we've given mm-hmm. like we've given all these words to the world to right. distort and to use in like for example the pornographic industry so if mm-hmm. we talk and i'm super blunt if we talk about a penis if we talk about a vulva if we talk about erection mm-hmm. if we talk about pleasure even saying hey let's talk about pleasure automatically most minds go to sexual pleasure and and when they go to sexual pleasure they go to prohibited they go to temptation they go to oh and it's one of the first things we have to break is like no pleasure can be drinking tea pleasure can be looking at a sunset you know let's first of all let's redefine and kind of reconquer these are sexual desire is something God has given us, right? Or our body parts is something God has given us. They are good. Uh-huh. And, and so I feel like that's one of the things because most of our sexual terminology is bad because the church doesn't use it. The only exactly. places we've heard it or the only places it's been used is usually sin almost, mm-hmm. you know, we can almost just directly say it's usually sin uh-huh. or it's, it's, it's sexual from a voyeuristic point of view, you know, because uh-huh. you are watching something of someone else. It's not even your own, you know, in movies in in uh-huh. commercials. And so then you talk about, you talk about sexual arousal and it's almost like, oh, that's not from God. No, it is uh-huh. from God. The only thing is like, we've never talked about it uh-huh. from God's perspective. We've uh-huh. never used those words in a Christian church. And so when you hear sexual arousal, you're thinking 50 shades of gray, you're thinking, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. like porn. You're, you know, so automatically we've associated. Uh-huh. I'm going like into the technical part of just like how your brain works, but uh-huh. we've associated these words to sinful acts, to sinful movies, to things that are negative. And so the moment you hear it or the moment we talk about it, it's like, oh no, not that. Uh-huh. Oh, not that. I so- love that so much, Carol, because in our house, I mean, one of the things that I use is the word orgasmic for something that brings pleasure. But even like if I'm eating something that I like it very much, and Johan knows that <laughs> because he heard me, and I said, "Look, oh, this is orgasmic. That's so good." Uh-huh. So anyway, what happened is that I sent my 14 years old the other day was sitting, they was he was eating something really good. He said, "Mom, this is orgasmic." And then I look at him like. I hope you only use this when we have family here. Nobody else should be. <laughs> but I think that is something I, I love the fact that we need in a way almost to bring the, you know, the word back to us, the word, some of those words back to us again, instead of just putting out yeah. because the association now it's always with something that is dirty. So this brings me to something that, that I'm really curious about in this context. It, it makes me wonder, listening to you, Carrie, particularly, it makes me wonder whether we are not having enough pleasure in other ways and and whether um because what i'm interested in is what is if if unhealthy sexual behavior is a symptom it's it's not the thing that we need to be addressing although we do need to address it but there's there's 
things underneath it which motivate that, which make us vulnerable to that. Um, I don't know what you guys would say would be the things underneath, but I'm thinking, you know, stress. I'm thinking, uh, you know, the sleep. Lack of healthy foods. Desire for <laughs> connection, you know, and we're not connecting in the right. In we don't have enough good mm -hmm. intimate relationships, which are non-sexual. Um, pleasure, maybe pleasure is one of the things we don't have enough pleasure in our lives. Well, and here, let me just like taking it to strict sex. And again, here in the context of biblical sex, it's marriage in between one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. To set that clear. Uh -huh. um, there is such a high percentage of women who are not having pleasure in sex because many Christians think that holy sex is penis and vagina. Yeah. And they don't go outside of that. And so when you have full communities and churches and mentalities that believe that the holy sex is penis and vagina, that is not good for female pleasure. Uh -huh. You look into Song of Psalms, this uh -huh. woman is enjoying her sexual life. Uh -huh. God created her to enjoy her sexual life. So it's almost uh -huh. like Christians need to rediscover uh -huh. pleasure. And I believe outside of sex as well, but even right. inside of sex, we need to understand that foreplay is sex. Right. Foreplay needs to be understood as an important part of pleasure. Uh -huh. And if that's not happening, we are not having God-centered sex. And so foreplay is, you know, looking at your spouse in the morning and saying, hey, beautiful, that's foreplay. Okay. <laughs> what we traditionally understand is foreplay, you know, the touching, the caressing, the simulation. Uh -huh. This is sex and it's a key part of sexual pleasure. And so even in there's like, we need to help the church understand God sex is full of pleasure. Uh -huh that is not just centered in penis and vagina, uh -huh. but porn is taking us just, you know, so we've centered in, in penises, we've centered in sex starts with an erection and ends in a ejaculation. And it's like, no, that's not God sex. Uh -huh. You know, it is so much. And, and so in that, I believe, yeah, you're right. And this to kind of answer your question, why are we having pitfalls in leadership? Because if you think holy sex is this, you're missing out. And so in the end, you're desiring this connection, this pleasure, right. this intimacy that you're not getting because you're not fully discovering what God has designed for you. Uh -huh. And so you end up so going, you go somewhere else. Well, and the whole thing, you end up doing the world sex uh -huh. Uh -huh. and you know, it's bad, you know, it's all bad, but it's like, ah, <sighs> uh -huh. uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So so in the, in the context of like assuming that there's something we can do to, um, to be healthy leaders, to be leaders who are avoiding the pitfalls, <laughs> assuming that there's something we can do about that, um, what would that be? And what would, what would be the things which, you know, I'm thinking of, for example, I'm thinking of um, like the picture of walking down a road and there's a great big... Um, hole in the road and what I mean to not keep falling down the hole you've got to fill the hole up with something right you've got to make sure that now the road is even um, so what are the great big holes in the road that we need to somehow fill in that we're missing things maybe we're missing an understanding of pleasure in all of its forms maybe we're maybe we have an unbalanced lifestyle so we get so kind of stressed out that we 
we're vulnerable to temptations. Um, maybe we're not getting enough sleep. Maybe, so I don't know, maybe we can just talk around that. Like what, what's the constructive thing that we need to do in our lives in order to be leaders who are not falling into the potholes? I feel, I feel that one of the ways would be being able to talk about some, some mm -hmm. of those things. Having us, you know, create this platform where people will be free mm -hmm. to talk even as leaders. Hmm. I think in my going to different churches and different environment bases, I realize I've been talking to many leaders. So there's not many places where they feel safe hmm. and they, they're not going to feel judged. And I think uh -huh. that would be one of the best way. And for me as a leader, one of the things I find that it's helpful is to actually be open with my personal struggles. Because mm. as soon as, you know, the identification, especially in YWAM community, because then, so when I mentioned to someone once that, because I have a healthy relationship with my husband and family, but I mentioned once that Paul and I, we had some difficulties and we went to find help for, you know, uh, at one moment in our marriage, we have been married for 20 years now. And, uh, and this person like, oh, I never thought you could have some difficulties or even more that you went to find help. It's mm. almost like, you know, that is almost this thing taboo that you should not ask for help. Otherwise, you're going to lose mm. credibility. Yeah. And actually, they are, it's the other way around. So I think mm. as a leader, being able to actually, we are, we all have our difficulties in relationship. So how can I just build up this platform where people will be able to share without mm. feeling labeled or judged? Mm -hmm. I think that that's for me something that can be helpful. Yeah, that's good. I think, I think for me with that too, in terms of talking about it, I think there are a couple of things. I think one thing is you need to find that balance between having as much grace as needed for someone and not enabling their unhealthy sexual behavior. And it's a fine line. Like if someone needs 10 years, they need 10 years. But some people don't need 10 years because they kind of love it too. And I think a conversation about like how to define that a bit, because that's that's what I find it's, is talking about it but finding that balance um because you also don't want to get into like a because we have this account we talk about accountability and accountability but accountability can also become very uh, uh behavior modification and focus on the behavior so it's yeah. adding to guilt and shame rather than helping like why aren't you trying harder why aren't you praying harder like we have talked about this now for four weeks why is it working and just having that Holy Spirit informed grace and kindness as you're walking with someone and having that discernment as you're walking with someone, I think is crucial. Mm -hmm. And then I think for me, something that I think has been very helpful is, is learning about shame. Mm -hmm. I read the book, Soul of Shame, and I read a couple of other books. I'm reading a book now called Unwanted by Jay Stringer. And uh, I haven't finished that book, so I'm not recommending it necessarily because I haven't read it yet. Uh, but the soul of shame, like just understanding the dynamics of shame and how that works has been so informative. And in, uh -huh. in, even I just have a casual conversation with someone and how I'm like, how are you engaging with God when you're sinning? And like, are you pulling away from him or at least trying to pull closer to him? And, you know, just simple things. But as a leader to avoid the pitfall, maybe just a bit more understanding of the dynamics of shame. Reading a couple of books, I think would be very helpful. Hmm. So that makes me think um, 
about, you know, it's so easy for us, you know, even in why I'm in the church in general to think of discipleship as something that happens, you know, over the course of six months when you're 25 or when you first become a believer or, and, and of course we're all nodding because yeah, we've bought into this idea that discipleship is our whole lives long. We are learning to walk in the way of Jesus our whole lives long, but what do we do about these kind of things like you know healthy or unhealthy sexual behaviors um and surely that's part of our discipleship and we say that we're creating discipling communities that's what our ywam communities are um do we talk about sex in our discipling communities in ways that help us to walk in the way of jesus um that's a question that I have Carrie here, yeah I want to mention two things that we found here that are that are super super important one is helping YWAMers who are married remember that their first ministry is their marriage not even their kids like their first ministry is their marriage because in ministries like like YWAM any ministry I feel like even like yeah. the big churches you can get so caught up in activism because there is so much that needs to be done. Mm. And so bringing it back and be like, but you got married. Mm-hmm. And because you got married, your first ministry. And if as a community, we're reinforcing that. Mm-hmm. So if you see someone who is spending 12 hours in the office, that his community sends him home to be with his family or sends her home to be with her family. It's like, no, this is, this is not okay. Because mm. the moment we permit that, the moment we allow that, and it becomes standard. And, and that person is also, that's the discipleship they're leading is uh-huh. to become a workaholic, to put the ministry in front of family to, uh-huh. you know, if someone is traveling even for teaching and they're spending six months of the year outside of their home, personally, that needs to be dealt with. That's uh-huh. not okay for me, even and here I might go super radical. I hope I don't offend anyone, but even for me, sometimes like going off to teach weeks at a time uh-huh. and leaving your family somewhere else is not healthy at all because that person it's like going on a vacation you leave all your responsibilities at home uh-huh. and you get to go be doted on as the hero uh-huh. and this amazing thing and so even for me we in our base we've worked at it you know I'm more like I'll come and teach for three days morning and evening but I don't want to be outside of my house you know longer than this time unless I'm coming with my whole family or unless Uh but there's some of these things where to me, it's like, is our schedule healthy for families, for marriages? If you're single, it's awesome. Who cares? Go and travel for like six months. (laughs) Go teach anywhere you want. But if you have kids, if you have a wife being away from your family for three months at a time, not having that sexual connection, not having your kids around, not having to deal with your wife and, and the kids, what this is like preparation for infidelity be it happen just in your heart or not, because you disconnect from your responsibility and then you come home and it's like overwhelming. Uh Wow. Mm -hmm. This is a lot. I'm going to go work. I'm going to go. And so for me, there's, there's something there that as a community, we really have to make sure is the way we are in, you know, is the way we work building families up and building marriages. Are we what about our Sabbaths? Where are they? Uh-huh. What about uh-huh. sabbaticals? Do we enforce them? Because this is this is another thing. I have tons of couples, and they'll say like, "Yeah, at home, you know, we have the kids, 
But if we ever get to a hotel, our sex life all of a sudden changes up and it's like amazing that weekend away. So as like, as a ministry, are we encouraging marriages? Are we creating um, like kindergartens or daycares where it's like, Hey, you guys need a date. Give me your kids. Are the singles in our ministry involved in these families enough that they feel like aunts and uncles so they can take care of these kids. So they're not growing up to be selfish and not wanting kids. And, you know, Uh, they're actually involved in these families, taking care of other people's kids so that they can have some alone time so that they can have some reconnection time so that we're not creating these stuck in routines, you know, and these uh, traveling parents uh, or travel, you know, or are the parents going away so that they don't, but then they're leaving their kids for a month at a time. And, and so I feel like there's a couple of things just in our structural way yeah. we run that need to be checked in order that we are really encouraging and empowering. And as a community, you know, kind of like lifting up these, these marriages uh-huh. and on the other side, then understanding God's pleasure, understand that God wants you to have amazing sex and amazing sex isn't uh-huh. five minutes, penis and vagina, you know, uh-huh. why the kids are sleeping. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's so much broader. And so I feel like if we do both of those, uh-huh. you know, plus obviously communication, I'm not even uh-huh. touching on that because they talked about it, uh-huh. but I do feel like this is something that's super important. And as we talk about God's sex, which I think was your original question, you know, do we talk about it more? My thing, and I think this was in my videos, like if we have God's ideal, the other stuff doesn't tempt us as much. Right. And I feel we can see this even in like the young people, young people don't smoke as much anymore because they know what, what it is. And so smoking isn't as attractive as it was maybe for our generations because the younger generation like knows the consequences of smoking. So it's like, no, they prefer to do other stuff that's similarly dangerous, (laughs) but it's like, if we understand God's sex, like the other Uh, stuff isn't as attractive. So, and how do we, um, you know, how do we not give the idea that all leaders are married and therefore, you know, it's possible for them to be having great sex obviously we're in communities where you know a bunch of us are married a bunch of us are single um there's different dynamics at work within those two contexts and i find sometimes that it's hard for us to talk openly together as singles and marrieds because we're you know we're talking about two very different experiences um and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys. Damaris, I'd love to hear from you. What, how, do you how do you manage this different dynamic between what it is to be single, what it is to be married? Um, you know, it's wonderful for us all as married people to be saying, yeah, I'm having great sex. But, you know, it's not very helpful for my friend who's single <laughs> if that's, you know, what, what she's hearing. Mm-hmm. But you're not allowed it. how do we how do we handle that I think for me it's helpful because I got married kind of late for at least for my family standards I was 34 when I I got married so then I was single for 34 years in my life from this 34 years 10 years in YWAM so for me when I talk I talk about okay I've been single and actually I did not want to even get married I 
I kind of love my single life. Uh, and uh, so for me, being married was a bonus, but it wasn't something, wasn't my goal. Uh -huh. And I think what I tend to talk when I am around singles, first, like they can ask any questions they want about difficulties. And I just carry, I just want to say thank you for saying about time. Because when I had difficulty with my husband was because we, he was doing documentary and was six months away out of yeah. the whole year, you know, if you put it all together. And that was the reason we realized the root yeah. of was really quality time and connection. And uh, I think that was one of the things. So they can have any, they can ask any questions to me as a single because they are single or what it is as being married. And that kind of helped for me to build up this relationship. But I think we need to be sensitive towards the single ones because sometimes we tend to give this impression that everything is horrible being married or everything is beautiful being uh, married. You know, we can uh, go to the, to the both extreme. And actually, it, we have advantages and uh, disadvantages by being single and being married. We have challenges as singles uh, and we have challenges as married. And I think bringing a balanced understanding that actually both uh, lifestyle has, you know, will have their difficulties and challenges and will have the beauty also will help instead of just trying to, to show one or the other. Sometimes we're trying to sympathize with them, trying to show the horrible part of being married, you know, all the responsibilities. <laughs> and or we're trying to sympathize with them or we're trying to... to say that everything is perfect. And so I think bringing a real a reality to them, that yeah, uh -huh. can be fun, but takes a lot of work. Yeah, it's beautiful, but takes, you know, but takes a lot of work in both style. It, yeah, uh -huh. being single, it's wonderful, has freedom, but you know, has its, its challenge and being married also. So uh -huh. I don't have difficult to really deal with single ones. I been I had lots of, I always have lots of singles around and uh, and we talk very freely about our lifestyle as married and lifestyle yeah. as single and they can always i think having a, again a space to ask questions it will be the best way for uh -huh. them to feel that validated and uh -huh. understanding especially women's when they feel like oh i think i'm going to be single for the rest of my life and that is this kind of fear on that uh -huh. so how can i help this person to walk in their fear of being single for the rest of their lives uh -huh. and still being happy uh -huh. and still have pleasure. And I think that's what we touched at the, at the beginning. So the pleasure, it's not only concentrated in this 15 minutes, you know, in bed that you have with your husband. So pleasure goes beyond. And I also like, I have sex, not only when I'm, I'm with my husband, I have sex when I'm eating something very nice. I have sex when I'm just, you know. I'm hearing a food theme here, Damaris. <laughs> but the adrenaline, even when and I have adrenaline, it, I'm Brazilian, so food, as a Latino one, food is part of our thing. So oh, oh, the adrenaline, when you jump from a building, you know, in a, so things like this, uh, when you are climbing a, a mountain uh, so i think those things brings pleasure so can uh, i just explore other areas that will give me pleasure and will fill me up also uh -huh, uh -huh. and i think it's just like we tend to concentrate only with the lack of sex and as the life will be like this you know we'll be summarizing this uh -huh. 10 or 15 minutes that you have with your husband but i feel it's way more and bringing this to the single uh -huh. life yeah. And the understanding that the pleasure goes beyond yeah. that, I think, can be helpful. Yeah. And I think, 
Can I add something to that too? Please, yeah. So from there, what do you say? From my, my own testimony before, from being very sexually active coming into DTS to being not at all sexually active after DTS, I think there are a couple of things. I think the first thing is that having done both, I didn't miss it abstaining because I know what I was saying no to. So I guess with the smoking thing, it made a lot of sense. I know that didn't make me happier because if you never had it, you think it might make you happier, particularly with the narrative of, I mean, if you read, I'm from Sweden, we're a very sexually free country. If you read, I mean, it's talked as a human right. Like they're justifying prostitution because sex, having intercourse is such a crucial part. It's crazy. Um, but I think for me also reflecting why it was easier to abstain afterwards was because my, int- like, I wasn't lonely anymore. My intimacy tank was filled and I, as, as cliche as it is, I'd found it in Christ, but it was also not just found in Christ because Christ was demonstrated by my community. And I think as singles, we are, we I'm not single. Maybe that's what's missing in this discussion here. But single, like as human beings, even as a married person, if I don't have genuine intimacy with others, I'm missing out and I will feel lonely. <laughs> so I think for singles too, is this like you need, because that's kind of a, one of our biggest shortcomings in YWAP is that we move so much. <laughs> like two years is not a long time to get to know someone. <laughs> and I think because of that, uh, and in the world too, we don't get to know each other well because of, social media and we're creating our, our own, you know, maybe that's somewhere the warm cultures can teach us a lot too. But even in warm culture, you can be lonely if you're, if you're amongst people. And I, and I think that's, it's learning how to relate intimately and deep with others to have that loneliness met that is also driving for the desire for unhealthy uh, sexual behavior. So, so I think single or married, because that's what I feel in my marriage too, is that it's, it, it's it's good and healthy and it desires sex when we're good uh-huh. when we're having mm-hmm. regular deep conversations we get to talk about things that are meaningful regularly uh-huh. so i would say even for singles like if you're ywam and you're older and you travel a lot and you don't have that connection with people you still need a connection with people to experiencing god in that way because i i joke sometimes and i say in risk of being controversial here that god is not enough Uh like we are we are limited to also to engage with the relationship with one another Uh and i think that's a major part that we we think we say that god is enough so much because he is in the end the bush come to shove god is enough but he's made us to be in community in relationships and i think that's just because in in dts and in ywm i think we trick ourselves that we really know one another just because i know your sins (laughs) <laughs> and I know your, your abusive family background, but I don't know you. Like, no, if we haven't laughed together, if you haven't seen my shortcomings, uh-huh. if, if I haven't done embarrassing things in front of you and given you the <laughs> to judge me, like, we don't know each other. Uh-huh. So, so I think we also misjudge our relationships, uh-huh. thinking that we should feel more intimate and more filled and more whole relationally than we are, uh-huh. but we're not. So then we go to things as sex because it's a common thing. But obviously it's anything that, whatever. Okay. And I think as a leader, we're going to, again, in context of leadership, as you get more leadership, you're always fighting against loneliness because mm-hmm. you always have the risk of like, oh, I can't talk to this person or I can't be vulnerable to this person because I need to show myself strong and healthy. And uh, that's not healthy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love you to say more about that. 
any of us. I'd love, I'd love to hear more about um, what, you know, for, for people who are in leadership positions, what makes it difficult to have these kinds of deep connections um, that really are what life is all about? Well, I definitely think a part of it is, you know, sometimes you do have to create certain distance in order to have your authority. And, and again, this is always like so many people fight me on this, but for example, as a sex therapist, I cannot treat any close friend. Okay. I just can't because they don't respect me in the same way. And you know, certain information. It's like, once you've told me, you don't want to invite me over to your house anymore. Right. You know, yeah. like you don't want me sitting at your table when you've, and I feel like in leadership sometimes, and even what Damaris was saying, lots of times you share about your struggles, but a lot of time you share about them once you've kind of overcome them or are okay. like over the hill, because then you have an authority to tell them. Yes. This it works. Right. But if you're in the middle of an infidelity, you can't, you know, sometimes you can't just go and share that mm -hmm. with everyone because it, oh. it, it, you kind of lose your, which is okay. You need to lose your space in a moment because you need to take a step away and like deal with that. But it's not like, I'm just going to tell all my DTS students that, you know, my husband just went and slept with a prostitute. Right. And it's and sure. <laughs> and it's not appropriate to, to say everything to everyone. Right. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there mm -hmm. are certain ideas that we have about leadership that keep us um, in this space of, of unreality, really, exactly. you know, of, of not being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling in this. I'm, this is, you know, been a, an obstacle for me. And, and, it, like and it is, is again where, right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is where leadership teams come into. And even for me going like to the whole convener movement, you know, that YWAM has been going through, I personally, I love the idea of conveners because what happens is we're all on this leadership team. That that's how we, we've been doing it in Wyoming, Barcelona. And it's amazing because I'm really good at these three things and you're really good at these three things, but because I'm over you in logistics, but you're over me in food or whatever, you know, in a sense, it means that I can be real about my struggles with you because you know, I'm not your full leader on every aspect of your life and you're not my, right. but we, it's an interdiscipleship kind mm -hmm. of type of relationship. And I feel like that does create a space for a lot of, a lot of these leaders to feel like, oh, I can share with you because you're not depending on me to be the head in every single area of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. You expect me to lead in, you know, in finances, but if we're talking about marriage, we're both on the same Okay. nor if we're talking about sexual sin and I I don't know I feel like that helps because a lot of times if you feel like you are the ultimate leader of every decision yeah we automatically sorry. feel that okay then I can't show you my weakness because because then you won't trust me or then it just doesn't work or yeah I feel also that it's important for us to almost as leaders not to be afraid to offer I mean to give direction in in the aspect of you should not talk to me about your struggles because that probably not going to be helpful it's better for you to go and find someone else neutral outside the community if you're in the middle because i think that i remember someone a couple came to me and said can i i would like 
your help. And I heard you've been helping some couples. And then I said, like, I'm so sorry. I don't think I, I am the right person to help huh. because I'm too involved with you. And it will be awkward later for you to see me in the community while you are in the middle of your process. Uh-huh. And I think it's, you're right, Carrie. It's like when I share about my struggles, it most of the time is not in the mirror. It's not when I am in the struggles, it's after when I pass on. Because when I had difficulties with Paul, I went to someone else outside the community and found help. Uh-huh. But sometimes we are not courageous enough in our community to, to all to say that, hey, I think you should go outside the community and trying to find help or even offer this person that is outside that can offer help. We're trying to, you know, almost control everything. Let's just kind of have a you know, crisis control and let's just keep uh, everything inside. Uh-huh. And that is not the best way, especially uh-huh. when we are going through some difficulties. So the best way is to trying to find help maybe with someone outside uh, because that person, you will be more free to talk about your own struggles. Yeah. And, and I, I think that is very important. Yeah. I love the idea of us, um, you know, just letting, letting one another know of what the resources are around us mm-hmm. um, so that we can answer this question, where do I go with this? You know, um, now I know one of the things we've been trying to do on the European Leaders Learning Community website is to put resources like coaches and um, debriefers and maybe we should have a a list there of therapists and um, people who can help relationally and those sorts of things. Um, because for sure, when I've been in difficult situations, I've, I'm thinking, who can I talk to? Who can I talk to? I don't know who to talk to. And we need to help each other know who we can talk to. Yeah, and I feel like just in that, Mm-hmm. you're really right with for example if specifically sexual issues mm-hmm. it's really hard who to talk to because especially non-christians have such a different view on all this kind of thing mm-hmm. yes. and i've had a lot of people who end up in my office say well i tried a sexual therapist and they told me to masturbate they told me to watch porn they told me to do this mm-hmm. they told me to do that and and so it mm-hmm. is true like there there might be a need to create i mean it is something i'm trying to do now it's like let's mm-hmm. create a network of professionals who who bring in their their values into yeah. their work because it is true on something like like divorce on something like porn uh-huh. you're going to have two very different opinions sure. depending on what type of a therapist you go to and so if we send someone out uh-huh. you know sometimes it's like but go to this person or you know sexual identity uh-huh. that's going to be a huge thing like where are you going to send oh, yes <laughs> So, and we do not have space to talk about that in this conversation. Absolutely, we, we are not talking enough. I mean, absolutely nothing about that. It's something yeah. that is growing yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. We could have a whole other discussion about that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but as we come to the end of this time, um, I did just want to kind of to tease out some of the things that I've heard, and then maybe you guys want to say some of the things that you would want to emphasize at the end of this talk. Um, there are three things that I heard that we need to have more of. And maybe, maybe this is a place for us to start in our, in our communities, in our teams. Uh, we need to have more talk. So we need to make it easier to talk. We need to make it easier to know who to talk with. Um, we need to normalize these kinds of conversations among ourselves. 
So more Normalize talk. words like arouse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just go around the campus and say it as often as you can. You can do some songs. And then... <laughs> if that ever happens, Damaris, I really want to see the video. I'll film it. <laughs> so more talk and more singing by the sounds of it. Um, more pleasure. We need to have more pleasure. So we need to be enjoying more things. Um, we need to expand maybe our capacity for, for pleasure in our lives. Um, and we need to have more connection. We need to have more deep connections where we really feel that we're known, especially in, in contexts where there's a lot of coming and going, a lot of um, short relationships that have the appearance of depth, but are not really. Um, so talk, pleasure and connection. Was there anything that you guys heard that you would want to emphasize as we can, come I, to... can I just add something super, super small. As you said that, yeah. you know, the, the connection and you said where to be known. Yeah. Think of it. That's the verb God uses in Genesis. Like Adam yeah. knew his wife. Yeah. And out of that came Cain. And they actually use a different verb when they talk about like Tamar having relationships with, with Judah. They use like a completely different word for just yeah. like an exchange of fluids uh, and the word Adam knew his wife is the exact same verb and word that it's in Psalm 46 10 that says be still and know God uh -huh. and so in that knowing like deep knowing uh -huh. the intimacy you get from deep knowing of God and deep knowing of the community is very similar or almost like the same in a sense of that deep okay. knowing of your husband or wife so definitely we need more of that more connection thank you yeah and i think yes i will pull out one thing that carrie said in the end about when with our circle areas and teams like i think if, if i were putting one main thing for the subject you need peers uh -huh. there's no group you will grow as much from is yes. with your peers because your your teachers will tell you something but your peers will challenge you on it because they uh -huh. see you every day so I think that's also one of the main things you need peers that loves God as much as you do, preferably more than you do, and that can walk with you through struggles. And I think that's a problem. We, we lack peers a lot of times, particularly as leaders. Yeah, consistent peers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. And I think in YWAM, uh, in our organization, it would be good to have somewhere, a place where we would find some people that could help, uh -huh. as you mentioned you know, earlier, like a list of people. Uh -huh. that we could go and ask for help and i yeah. don't know like i don't know who are in ywm europe that i could direct some people that uh -huh. needs help that would be able to offer support that's right even if it's like exchange and basis you know because maybe damaris can really help but not anyone in heart with it uh -huh. absolutely but there's someone in you know like luton or in london who is going through an issue mm -hmm. you don't know them you don't know their circle uh -huh. so it's like I can help in this area, just make sure it's not people in my community, okay. you know, like make sure it's outside. I know that for me, it's like, I don't work with anyone in my cell group. I don't work with anyone in my church, yeah. but it's like, as long as it's outside of that. And so then I have a couple of professionals that are outside of my group and we swap, you know, clients, like they say, oh, there's someone in my church, you know, can okay. you, yeah. them? and I'm like, okay, there's someone in my church. Can you take them so that yeah. we're not, you know, overstepping in our communities? Yeah. And I it think makes I, even though we, we're talking about that, it's kind of is finding the balance between, yeah, professional help or some kind of help. Yes, we need to be outside the community. But I think what Johan said, it's important. Find also 
uh, in the, within the, our community, you know, uh -huh. how can we offer help in uh -huh. the boundaries that we can offer uh -huh. in a peer level, as a friendship, as a leader, as a pastor, as someone that is offering discipleship. I think it's kind of, that is, that is something we need to grow also. Yeah. Freedom, especially in this whole area of sexuality, the freedom to be able to talk to one another and to ask for help if we need it. And I think it's just finding the balance between offering help outside, but how can we be a helpful community in that yeah. aspect mm -hmm. also? So maybe then as we as we close here, just two really practical suggestions that come to mind, things that I've heard other people doing. Um, one is in terms of peers kind of gathering a group of friends together that you you say well you know as as four guys as four women why don't we meet once a month and and connect and really be honest about these things ask one another some tough questions and have some honest connecting conversation so that's one really practical thing to take away from this talk um there was another one oh yeah it made me think you know when you go into a base on our base we had this and you see on the notice board there's like you know, local doctor, local dentist, um, you know, this is the number to call if there's an emergency, these sorts of things. Well, why don't we have on that list, you know, this is someone you can talk to about your marriage. If you're struggling with porn, this is someone you can talk to. If you need a sex therapist, mm -hmm. you can call Carrie. <laughs> so don't you maybe, dare give out my phone number. You can <laughs> <laughs> maybe we just need to, you know, normalize the fact that we all need input we all need help and these are some places we can go to find it mm -hmm. so we could talk all day you guys i'm sure there's um, a lot that we haven't touched on but thank you so much for being here for this discussion um and yeah maybe we at least we four and the rest on the call there's how many seven of us here we can um be those who make it normal for people to talk about this stuff um, as we wrap up, for anyone watching this recording, I just want to remind you that next week it is the, uh, what do we call it now? The summer has been too long. The roundup, <laughs> where um, you can hear all about the different resources that we had on the website um, for the theme this month and kind of get like a 20 minute rundown so that um, you can whet your appetite for going to find those resources for yourself. And next month, the theme is hospitality. So our resources and our discussion, our talks, our videos, everything will be around the theme of hospitality. So check, check in for that. And apart from that, it's been great to have this conversation. Thank you all for taking time out of your busy days. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how to close this. I want to say like, go out and have great sex, but maybe that's not the best way to close this conversation. <laughs> go out and be great Jesus leaders. Go out and have great pleasure in every aspect of your that's life, right. every area. So. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. See you, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miranda. Bye, Corey. Johan, see you in a bit. <laughs> yeah, see you around. Bye -bye. Good to see you.